0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Keeping Up with Mrs. Kelly. In this episode, Mr. Ustling Huta, principal of IES Shista, explains the power of using your unique character traits and personal convictions to lead with resilience and grit.
1: Hello, I IS Lena. Welcome to another episode of Keeping Up with Mrs. Kelly. I am Mrs. Kelly, and today I am having a virtual session with one of my wonderful principal colleagues at IS Schista, Mr. Mikael ossling Hello, Mikael.
0: Hello, Julie. Hello, Ms. Skelly. How are you? I am good. I'm good. Um, it's Friday when we record, so of course, Friday is always a better day in the sense that you have the, uh, the weekend of, of family time and relaxations to look forward to, which I think everybody can understand.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's very, very necessary right now during the pandemic, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So as you know, our whole season is about grit, and I've interviewed different people about how they have used grit to overcome obstacles, and ever since we started the season, I wanted to talk to you because you are one of the grittiest, and this is a compliment, the grittiest people that I've ever met. You have a super challenging job. You had a a lot of challenges in your childhood, which you've told me a little bit about in our meetings before, and I want to pick your brain today because I think your advice can be so helpful to so many people about how you didn't give up, you weren't defeated by these challenges, and your grit really helped you work through them. So I'd like to start a little bit with your childhood and and I think that I can summarize by saying that you had a lot of challenges that you had to overcome in your childhood.
0: I, th- I think you know, in, in, in all in all people's lives, like like you said before, we started recording. You know, there, there are always challenges when people grow up. I think for me, uh, in my family, we had difficulties uh, related to addiction, and as a consequence of that, mental health issues, which uh, which deeply affected, of course, my, my whole family, including myself. I, I just want to. For, for me, it's important to sort of separate the concept of grit from, uh, from perseverance as, as an individual thing, because uh, when you look at research like grit, um, Angela D- Lee Duckworth, I think, defines it as uh, a perseverance combined with uh, the, the, um, the willingness or, or, or ambition to achieve a goal over a long period of time. That wasn't my ambition. My ambition was to survive. Uh, and I think there's a there there's a difference between the construct of grit, which has led to some of the the reproductions of the grit pro- uh, uh, project, which which uh, which has failed to prove the same thing, but, uh, which originated from from Carol Dweck's work. Because my reason for being gritty or for being per- you know showing perseverance uh, or to persevere had to do with that I had to find mechanisms to. And I, I survive, and I don't mean survive as in keep breathing. Mm. I mean survive as in mentally being able to function. Right. Uh, uh, and as a child, obviously, my tools to do so were completely inadequate. And my choices on how to regulate my sadness, anger, and frustration were a child's way of doing it, which, which wasn't in any way productive at the time. But over time, it created a resilience you know, if it, you know, I, don't, I don't like to say that I'm a successful person now, because I'm not sure what that means. But it, it gave me and has given me the ability to withstand pressure under a very long period of time. But for other people who weren't as lucky, and I'm not a scientist, so I can't say what that depends on, it crushes them, it did not crush me. Why that is, I don't know. I think a lot of times in, in in children's lives they need to found that find an outlet for their frustration anger and sorrow mm. uh, if that outlet does not destroy their life and this obviously is not from a scientific perspective but from an experience possessed perspective if that doesn't destroy their life it gives them an advantage almost when they are adults because they've endured so much more than the average person so that the challenges that come across you in your professional life rarely seem daunting because they can be compared to real, real sorrow, real anger, and real frustration. I don't know if that makes sense, but, but that that's how I reason around
1: it. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. It's not that you had a special sort of skill set per se, but it's that you had those experiences, and since you worked through them and and survived, as you said, both physically and emotionally, mentally, You're able to take those experiences and compare them to what you're going through now and say, okay, I got through that. I can also get through this. Did you have any sort of like adult mentoring you that could help you create tools for getting through this? Or were you just like muddling through it on your own?
0: No, but I I think, you know nothing is really black or white. Uh, I think also my mother has always been a, a massive role model for me mm-hmm. uh, and her way of, of dealing with things was to work herself so hard to to provide and to secure our family to, to, to the, 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 the largest degree possible. Um, and obviously she she is still a huge role model to me, but I also think that because When a child is is, is in a difficult situation for a very long time, and in relation to my belief that people don't really change, um, I don't think I have really changed in that aspect from when I was a child or a teenager to now. I am still frustrated. I am still sad. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I am still angry. But I've found tools so that I can use that power in brackets. Right for a good cause, uh, or, or for something productive, a good cause is a very arrogant way of putting it, it d- depends on the individual, but 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 in a productive way that improves me rather than destroys me. And that that's, that's how I see it. I also had uh, hockey coaches, uh, who, uh, at least for, for periods took great responsibility for trying to mentor not only me, but 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 also uh, other children in the team that I played, which is a quite successful team, to mentor our social adaptation as much as our game development. And, and funnily enough, speaking of, of, of IES, Engelska Skålan, the one thing they never let us not uphold was high expectations, which was, was, was really frustrating at the time, but but in some strange way, Has has brought me to is since a long period of time but but Mm -hmm. you know it's hard to, to not see that it's connected
1: yeah and i i really like i'd like to go back to what you were saying about about those emotions that you still have and those characteristics that you believe all people will always have and just finding ways to use those things that make you you in a positive way i was listening to a podcast with simon sinek and he was talking about that he doesn't really believe in strengths and weaknesses. He believes that all of your qualities, depending on the situation, can be a strength or they can be a weakness. And I think that this is kind of what you're saying. Is you have these these things that you carry with you and you can see frustration and and like passion and aggression as something negative or you can use them in a positive way and I think that's what I have noticed in you is that you are very very passionate and you are very opinionated but those things have helped you reach the successes that you have that you've used those to build something up rather than you know tear down and I think that that's a super cool thing that I had never really thought of. You know, that, like, it's not it's not about the qualities that you have. It's what you do with them.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree with that. And I, and I also think that nobody is normal. We're all on a plane, okay? Mm. We're all on a plane. Uh, I think for me, when I am... I think uh, human interaction is such an interesting thing. Uh, for me, when I am unsure about a relationship. I act very much in the same way as I did when I was a child. And it's embarrassing to admit. But if I want to see whether I am good enough uh, in a social emotional relationship, Mm -hmm. I push the boundary. Because then I will know whether I can be who I am or whether I have to pretend that I'm somebody else and it was a long time since I uh, wanted to pretend like I'm somebody else and I, and, I, and I don't and I haven't done for a long period of time but that is a way for me to create security right. uh, because for many I think for everybody who, who has you know gone through something difficult which is most people on this planet to be honest the uncertainty is almost worse than the, than the negative result right uh, and and, and I can tie that into to my work because, because as a principal, I find it much harder to deal with the uncertainty of what will happen than to fix problems that have occurred that are results uh, of, of events. And, and that I think is um, a result of, of the experiences earlier on in my life that the uncertainty of the negative thing that may happen is worse than the negative thing that happened because that you can deal with
1: that's a fact exactly it's not the story that you're telling yourself about worst case scenario it's you know what you have to deal with and you can use that information to to base your decisions does the pandemic yep. make you feel that way does it bring you that stress of uncertainty and because you have been dealing with it just as we have and it's for me it's it's been i think the biggest challenge with this situation is, is, like you said, the uncertainty.
0: Uh, absolutely. I think anybody who, who claims that the pandemic had, hasn't had a tremendous impact on, on their life, regardless of what they do, uh, is lying or lives on Mars, because it's the uncertainty, and especially in leadership, um, because to be, to be able to lead with, with certainty and with conviction you need to have certainty and conviction, and let's not let's not pretend that we've been given a lot of certainty and conviction either by the situation or by the leadership of the governments of the world, um, regardless of where you are. It's been characterized on the the top level leadership of uh, you know ambiguity, inability to stand for what you say, um, and not not doing what you say. like that, And I think in, in leadership, at least my understanding of it, the only thing that makes somebody become and stay in the leadership position in some way successfully has to do with the chain of trust. And to be able to withhold that, you have to build a long chain of trust before you make mistakes that fraction the chain of trust. And clearly, hasn't been a lot of chain building before they were fractioned Uh, and and i guess that's my assessment the uncertainty is not only the pandemic and how to combat the virus it's also how the leadership structures of, of societies have completely fallen down because of the lack of understanding of what leadership really is leadership is being allowed to lead through the creation of a chain of trust that, that that that's that's at least my definition if it's worth
1: anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that what this pandemic has taught me you you can never know everything and that sometimes you just you have to use all of the information that you have but really focus on your values and think does this decision feel right based on what what I believe in. Mm. And that has been <laughs> that has been a really big challenge because I'm like you. I want to I want to have have everything based on facts and just like make a decision and, and go forward with it. And that's been really challenging to not be able to do that all the time. You have also had a really big challenge of coming into a school that was in many ways struggling and having the responsibility and and the mandate to take this school and to help all of the all of the students and all of the staff have the the workplace and the school environment that they deserved. And I'm sure that that was also a really big challenge for you when you came in. What was it? Three years ago? No, like
0: two years and whatever, eight months or uh, nine months. Absolutely, uh, it. it it, it was, and, and, and I guess still is, but, but but absolutely was the the greatest challenge of my professional life. Um, I, I think I'm going to say some cheesy things now, but when you come into a new place and you don't have too much data on what is actually going on, because quite often you get a lot of data on what is perceived to be going on, mm. but that is very rarely what is actually going on. Uh you have to fall back on something. Uh, and, and for me, when I came here, I, I tried to fall back on my own convictions. So for example, that if you want to create a prison, you should treat your, your, your inhabitants or or people in it as prisoners. If you want to create an educational institution, you should treat them as students, regardless, of where they are, where they came from, or what behavior they exhibit. And that relates to both staff and students. (laughs) Uh, And that relates also to your everyday behavior has to embody what you want to achieve and the way you want to achieve. It has to be, be communicated as much with your body. As with your words, uh, and I, I sound like I'm thinking I'm some sort of guru here, I, and, and I'm not. I'm, I'm just. I have to do things that I can do. I can never do things that I that that is not me. Because as I said earlier, people don't change. I am still me, uh, and I focused on that. I focused on uh, being exactly who I am at all times and and I think my 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 experiences in childhood and, and teenage years helped me understand the importance of clarity uh, the the area where, where we're situated is mainly uh, inhabited in the surrounding communities by 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 uh, adults who who are not um we either not born in Sweden or have a history in other countries mm-hmm. where leadership is the same as absolute authority in many of those countries. So I had to make sure that it was understood that it was the same in the school, like you have to align with your surrounding community, in some aspect, to be able to change the other aspects. Uh, so that so that that, that I think is, is one thing that was crucial to, to make that decision. Uh, and then I, I made simple promises that would be horribly uh, arduous to to keep, but possible to keep in terms of withholding uh, or, or you know or keeping what I said that I would do, I would do. So 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 simply, uh, I said that from the day that I step into this building uh, until I feel that this is a safe enough, calm enough, productive enough learning environment, I will be in the hallways, in the classroom every day together with my leadership team. And we were. We basically lived in the hallways of the school uh, for a year. And I'm not saying that that changed the world, but it, 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 it strengthened the chain of trust because we said that we would do something and we did something, which was the exact same thing. And I think that in relation to what I just said about you, you usually get what you try to create. (laughs) And we had a massive focus on, on lessons and learning. Uh, uh, And, and, you know, building, rebuilding a a core core knowledge curriculum from from, uh, you know, based on LGR 11, of course, but but the methods we used were clearly core curriculum inspired, so that we stopped pretending that the students should explore and learn together because what's the point of two students who know very little about a subject to explore and learn together? Yeah, exactly. It would just, it would just lead them wrong, hmm. you know? We don't have time. We don't have time for that. Yeah,
1: but I love I love how you have used this concept of of staying true to yourself, holding your convictions, being being who you are and knowing who you are, and using that to propel yourself into what you want to achieve. Does that kind of summarize? What, what you believe.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I guess it does. But but I think it, it, it also, for me, the, the, the bottom line is, and I know this, this sounds simple, but I, at the end of the day, I want to be able to stand in front of the people that I hold dearly and say, this is what I did today. And feel no shame and no embarrassment and not hide anything. mm and if I can do that every day that I come home from work, then I have nothing to fear. And obviously, I don't do that. I don't, you know, you know, my wife doesn't interrogate me every day I come home. But I want to be able to answer honestly on all these questions.
1: I think that's so important. Staying true to yourself, being proud of of what you're doing, and using that to tackle the challenges that are inevitable. Yeah. Cool. Well, it was so nice to finally catch up with you. It's been so long since we've been able to, to really talk, but I've always appreciated having you as a colleague because you are who you are and you don't compromise on that. And I think more people should be like that.
0: Thank you, Julie. I, I appreciate you as well. And, and I think the important thing with, with the, the, uh, the idea that people don't change doesn't mean that we can't improve, but our basic nature won't change.
1: Uh, exactly.
0: And that should be celebrated, because we're all different.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Thanks so much for being with us today. It's been great to talk to you. And thank you, Ayas Lena, for listening.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a comment, and share the show. Don't be afraid to get gritty.